0: of Sessions with Mary Jane. I am your uh, third of a uh, host, Jordan Freed. <laughs> I'm two-thirds, Rena Ezra. And I am the three-thirds, Brendan <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> it's been a long, long time since we have uh, been here together as one uh, three-headed late-night hump monster, and it's fitting that we are here for the final Uh, Sessions with Mary Jane, episode of 2021, all together again, and with a very, very uh, special guest, uh, the hilarious, multi-talented, but we'll call him uh, comedian, uh, Ash Diggs
1: welcome hey what's up y'all thank you so much for having me you three-headed monster you're beautiful oh
2: thank you well your head is beautiful enough that's like you have three heads ash
1: thank you i was fishing for that
2: specific well (laughs) well you (laughs) caught me (laughs) red-handed in the water with a hook thank you for being here ash yeah
1: thank you all so much for having me i'm excited to do it do
3: you know you are getting a challenge
1: Yes, when, when y'all contacted me about the show, you mentioned uh, I was going to get a challenge, but you did not say what the challenge was, and so I've been anxious ever since. <laughs> so I'm That's ready good. to hear what it is.
0: Well, there's no reason to be anxious anymore, because uh, we're high on marijuana. Um, but <laughs> besides that, uh, <laughs> we're giving you a challenge that uh, you should hopefully know uh, well, uh, because we actually met we didn't met to meet to re- we didn't meet directly through this but uh we were both english majors at our alma maters of Tulane University in New Orleans uh so i figured uh why not uh, give ash a challenge with one of his passions reading and uh name oh as many stephen king works as he could over the course of the episode oh my god yeah oh okay. so it's over the course of the episodes so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah just, just whatever you feel them like. out? <laughs> Yeah.
2: Toss them out cool.
1: whenever. Yeah,
2: interrupt us right. when you want us. Whenever the uh, Stephen King word comes to mind, you just say it out loud.
1: Oh my God. Okay. Carrie, That's one. <laughs> just feel felt like there was a there was a second there, and I'm gonna you know just start firing from the hip with them. Yeah. I think. So uh, so be ready.
0: All right, yeah, we're we ready. Got it. Yeah, and also for our listeners at home, this is our first uh, remote interview. Unfortunately, coronavirus has uh, become a thing (laughs) again. I guess it's uh, the trend that keeps coming back retro before uh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 (laughs) years pass. Mm. Um, But... Ash is joining us from Brooklyn. He just recently moved there from Wilmington, uh, Vermont.
1: Queens, Queens. 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 Yeah. Oh, Queens. shit. Tell Queens, us baby.
0: more. Tell us more.
4: Queens
1: guy. Queens guy. So I thought I was moving to Brooklyn, uh, and then I got here, and everything around me was like Queens, and the zip code returned to Queens, and I was like, oh, do I live in Queens? Uh, <laughs> I, <was coming. laughs> I thought I was moving to Bushwick, uh, but I'm in Ridgewood, but I'm like right on the Bushwick border, so I'm kind oh. of, I'm like... Right, I'm kind of a tweener, but all of my paperwork says Queens, so I'm leaning into it. It's Queens. There, there
2: is that small pocket of New York where it is literally referred to as Queens Brooklyn. So it sounds like that's probably where you ended up. Yeah, there's some people who consider it's almost like the central Jersey of New York City. Some agree (laughs) that it exists. Others say that it is a myth altogether.
1: (laughs) Well, I I mean, I think I might be right in the Center of it, yeah. so I think it might be real. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be what I'm living. Yeah, well, you but take the red it?
3: pill or the blue pill? What's real? We don't even know, mm-hmm. we don't even know what's happening. Um, how was your move? How was the transition from Burlington, Vermont to Queens?
1: Um, honestly, difficult. It's been, it's been difficult because I feel like basically, as soon as I got here, we kind of went back into. Um, you know, a lot of people went into like self-imposed lockdowns, like, you know, COVID kind of the Omicron, uh, kind of was like, you know, putting up 50 off the bench and like, uh, everyone I knew got COVID, I got COVID. Um, I had booked a bunch of shows, they got canceled and all through that, I was like trying to get my, you know, I, I didn't sell any of my furniture in Vermont. So I like brought everything down in a U-Haul and I was like driving this U-Haul through the city. And I was just like what am I doing here? Like, this is where I'm getting like honked at. People are screaming at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. This truck is big. These streets are small. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, and so, yeah, it was crazy to just kind of go through all the stresses of moving and I live by myself. So, um, and I was living by myself in Vermont too. So, you know, I feel like a lot of times when you're moving out of a place, it's pain in the ass, but at least if you have like roommates and stuff, there's kind of like a camaraderie, like, Oh, we're all doing this shitty thing together. Um, and it's just going to take as long as it takes. But, you know, I moved out by myself, moved in by myself. Um, I have friends here in the city, but like my sense of community, uh, you know, is is really in Burlington. So to, to leave that and have my immediate attempts of finding new, new community here be stymied by uh, a disease mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> has been, you know, it's been hard for real. But um, at the same time, every time I walk outside of my apartment in Queens, Brooklyn, I look to my left and I can see the Empire State Building and I'm like, oh, that's, that's sick.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, we're, we're here for you, as you know,
1: um, just come to Jersey.
3: Um, but also you have a companion, right? A dog? Yes,
1: I do have a dog. He is, he is in the bedroom sleeping right now. Um, he was, we so I've been um quarantining with COVID and everything. I have a dog, his name is Boogie, he's eight, uh and he's like a husky shepherd mix. Mm. He's um, so cute. Yeah, I've yeah. seen
3: him on your social media. He's so
1: cute. <laughs> he is, he's really cute, but he's very, very energetic. Mm. And it's been really hard not being able to get him out as much since I've been quarantining mm. and um and stuff like that. So today he's been like pretty good about it. Like especially when I was sick, he would kind of like you know, come lay near me and, you know, not Aww. be a huge pain. Uh, but today he was just like, dude, I'm going out of my fucking mind. Gotta get <laughs> yeah. to apartment. He just like from like 630 this morning, I woke up like paws on my face. He was like, we got to go outside. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, you know what? I'm following you. Let's do that. Went outside. Good 30, 45 minute walk. As soon as we come back in, he's like, we got to go back out. We got to <laughs> go back out again. And just all day we've been going in and out and in and out. Um so finally I like he kinda fell asleep in the other room and like as soon as his eyes closed I was just like, all right, we're gonna close the bedroom door and just let that ride for as long as possible. But um he's been he's been doing pretty well. Vermont to New York is a big change for him for sure. Um but yeah, I don't know. He's adjusting pretty well, I would say. Thankfully, we're pretty close to a couple parks, so I oh, was still nice. able to, to get in that greenery and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. What's the biggest change for you that you noticed, like, going from being someone who doesn't have a dog to being someone who lives with a dog?
1: Oh, man. I think, um, uh, hopefully this doesn't sound too sad, but before I got a dog, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just realized I, like, never, like, when I'm by myself, I just, like, don't talk at all which like doesn't sound like too you know you know that's not unusual but um during the pandemic uh, or excuse me like at the beginning of the pandemic uh when we first really locked down like March 2020 um for that like 9 months until I got a dog I was just like oh like I would just go like 4 to 5 days without speaking or hearing another person's voice at the beginning of the mm. pandemic, you know, like if you're not zooming, if you're working from home and everything's emails and it wasn't until I got a dog and I was just walking around like, like Hey buddy. Or, you know, just like fucking talking to him. <laughs> like he's a little person. Yeah. I, I immediately realized I was like, Oh my God, the last nine months of my life have been so quiet, like oh, yeah. twilight zone <laughs> levels yeah. of quiet. <clears throat> um, so I think the biggest difference for me is that now I just like, am constantly talking as I'm walking around my house
3: that's not well. It's just a difference in interaction. You didn't have something yeah. else to interact with. I think that's right. very sweet, though. I think that's very that you. That's probably really nice to have a companion throughout whatever you're going through right now. It doesn't, or even like whenever, yeah. especially if it's somebody. Yeah. I mean, hey, if I could snap my fingers, turn Jordan into a dog, I will. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is true. This is very true. It's a great power. I don't think you have the responsibility to handle that power, Reed, no. really. <laughs> She also wants me to be a hairless cat as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. yeah Ash, are you are you pro hairless cat or anti-hairless cat?
1: Well, does does anti mean like killing them? No, no,
2: a- no. <laughs> no killing here. We're on touch with them very eugenics okay, mean yeah. kind of cats. <laughs> I just have to you know, I have to make
1: sure
4: we're on the same page about yeah.
1: definitions. So right, right. Like, so, so I would say if, if anti is just not wanting them in my life. Um, I would be anti, uh, cause I just, they, they're kind of like, um, hairless cats to me, you know, like when you look at a, there's like an optical illusion in a book and it's like, these lines are, are moving, but they're actually not moving. That's what hairless cats look like to me. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a cat and I'm seeing it in front of me, but it's not, it doesn't, it, but it's not a cat. That's
3: fair. I get it. Yeah. No, I'm not offended. Um, I, you know, you can put feet sweaty. I found out they, they are like higher maintenance cause you we were looking for a cat, but then, you know, hairless cats leave grease spots if you don't clean them In So then I was just like, no, thank you. I was like, no, it's done. Now it's off the Sick. table.
2: That's a deal breaker. (laughs) It's
1: not.
3: Yeah, no, I can't. I'm sorry.
1: Grease spots. They Mm just like start sliding around. (laughs) Yeah,
3: not pleasant. No hair. Woo! (laughs) Not pleasant. (laughs) Yeah. But besides animals, um, what about the difference in comedy? the scene in Burlington Vermont versus New York cuz I've never been to Burlington Vermont um nor have I oh, seen like the comedy culture anything so I know I know <laughs> but I've heard yes yeah, such amazing things and the theater also if you want to talk about your um like you mentioned your community there and they were doing like you know your your last show and everything and it all looked really really wonderful um yeah what are the the highlights differences
1: yeah, well, I think you know Burlington is such a. I can't. I'll, I'll never be able to say enough things about Burlington, Vermont, and especially um, the comedy community there. Um, that's that's really uh, you know home base for that for that community is Vermont Comedy Club, and they do so much fantastic work for the city and for the comics there. Um, but but I think that one thing that Vermont is able to do, that Burlington is able to do, because it's so small, um, is There's really a sense of solidarity and community Mm -hmm. in that, um, you know, like being able to post in a Facebook group, Hey, last minute, I need a ride to the airport or like, I need, uh, help like moving, or I need someone to babysit my kid. Like this is, it's, it's like, you know, everyone is there for each other in so many more ways than just whatever our ties to the comedy club are. Um, but they'll be there for you if, even if they're only tied to you is the comedy club. Um, so it's, it's a really wonderful, um, just community, just a lot of supportive and kind people. And I think that the thing that I noticed immediately about New York having, you know, I'm totally green. I, you know, I have not accomplished anything here, but (laughs) one thing I've noticed immediately is just how many, like I'm sure there are communities just as strong as that here in New York, but there are so many of them, and there's so everything's so split up, and even just even just certain bars have their own like you know like oh those are like uh, folks who freak you, just like you you affiliate with like the place you do your shows at or your open mic at. Right. There's just so many more options. It's so decentralized. Um, but I, I also say that as someone who is totally on the outside of it right now. So I also imagine that to a point, all those com- communities must overlap. Um, so I'm sure once you, you know, I'm sure someone 10, 10 years into comedy here would hear me talking like this and they'd be like, Oh, he just doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's just not in the community yet. <laughs> so,
3: well, no, but um, I think that's fair though, because it is, it's huge. It's very, we have a huge population in New York city, yeah. everybody's great. And there are many different small pockets um and for sure I mean the entertainment business in general it looks very big but then you're like oh everybody knows everybody at the end and you're just like then the world seems smaller um but yeah it's I mean what what you say Jordan you would know like well I was just gonna say with yeah
0: the New York comedy scene like what you're saying with Burlington I think it's like small enough that like it's a group community and with New York City it's just so big and there's just so many like new faces every single day who are just like hey I just came into New York to do comedy and it's just like hey I'm the next guy who just came into New York to do comedy that like people become very clicky very quickly Mm. and yeah yeah, it like you have to know people in certain areas of New York and know the people who produce shows now like the indie alt shows are the place to be and like if you don't know those people then you never get booked Mm. and then you literally just get left out of the New York comedy scene (laughs) it's like yeah which is good though because like it is better to have like uh vibes you know like shows being determined by like oh this is uh gonna be for this type of audience this is gonna be for these types of people um
1: yeah yeah. totally it feels like that you know that meme where it's like a bunch of different people at different lunch tables and it's like which lunch table are you gonna sit at like the one with tupac and drake or the one with biggie and like the island boys or yeah. whatever? Well,
2: <laughs> well well which which uh, table would you sit at then ash given those examples
1: um what was the first one i said tupac and drake yeah uh, i really hate drake though <laughs> <laughs> Drake is I, I think I hate Drake because he, I know he is a part of me and I think <laughs> it's like a soul living thing like, <laughs> because I love take care was such a formative album for me mm. which now in 2021 is like the most toxic thing you can say <laughs> um, like that whole that whole album is just about like a woman setting firm boundaries and it's just a playbook of how to break them And like at, the, <laughs> at the time i didn't realize that's what i was like listening to um and i just love to take care i just have listened to the, i you know even just i think on my spotify wrapped 2020 uh, Take Care Deluxe Edition was on my top like five albums mm-hmm. and I had to I was like I can't share this slide like, I can't <laughs> really know, know that this is a part of me um, and so I think that yeah it kind of feels like you know I feel like someone with a deep dark secret like I would objectively I feel like the Tupac uh Drake and yeah I guess we are still talking about the lunch table thing I was like, what, what are we talking about <laughs> 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 the uh the the Tupac Drake table would
4: seem objectively like the one you'd want to sit at over the Biggie and Island Boys table, but
1: I think due to my own self loathing, I couldn't do it. So, what, do, what do you guys?
3: Think? Well, speaking of uh, lunch tables, right? Which makes me think of uh, school cafeterias, mm-hmm. right? Which makes me think of when you were a young fellow. Uh, would you? You're still young. I don't know why I said that.
4: <laughs> young like Ash. So young. Yeah. Yeah. Like like
2: the, <laughs> the TV show, Young Ash. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, okay. now yeah when you were a little tot, um going to the beginning of your journey, um first of all, where did you grow up? I don't was it in New York? Did you grow up in New York?
1: <laughs> that was such a beautiful way to set up where'd you grow up at <laughs> the
2: dawn I didn't, of time. I didn't know
3: yeah, but then I was just like, wait, I gotta establish this because <laughs> I don't remember. I um both my parents
1: were military, so uh, I did not grow up in New York. I was born here, um, and I lived in the city for I think like two years, and then uh, basically we kind of started moving down the East Coast. Uh, lived in North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Florida, um, and then I went to grades like two through six in montgomery alabama and then middle school through high school in saxarkana texas wow Um, so so definitely in the south like i grew up mostly in the south how was that you know it's interesting um i feel like (laughs) i feel like a lot of um so i'm so i'm mixed i'm biracial which um you know you you know that joke where uh it's like a vegan a uh like a person who does crossfit and then something else like walk into a bar and who's gonna talk about their own thing first Mm -hmm. like you know that (laughs) i also i feel like biracial people should also be on that list (laughs) it is often the first thing i'd say in a lot of conversations but um i you know my dad's black my mom's white and uh i feel like growing up in the south i had a pretty good time overall but i i do think that moving around as much as I did, there were things that struck me as like ignorant or wrong or backwards about, um, you know, both like the people I was growing up around and also just like the adults that I was around. Mm-hmm. I feel like those things struck me kind of early on just cause I had so many experiences to compare them to. I'm like, Oh, like the, the white teachers that I have in Texarkana are treating me and a lot of people very differently than the black teachers I had in Alabama, you know, things like that. Mm. But, um, I also just hate um, getting older and learning learning more and more about life and the world and then revisiting uh, childhood memories and being like, oh, my God, was that racism? Like, did mm-hmm. I – was I didn't even, like, think of it. Like, I, I have this memory of um, – I was in, like, the seventh grade, and I walked by uh, this one teacher, and this feels like a scene from, like uh, – from like Remember the Titans or something. But like I walked by this teacher and I was wearing an Auburn Tiger shirt because my dad went to Auburn. And the teacher said something to me. And I said, yep. And he was walking by me and he grabs my shoulder and he turns me around and he goes, I'm pretty sure they got manners in Alabama too, don't they? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, you better call me sir, boy. If you're giving me a yes, it better be followed by a sir. You'd Hmm. think that y'all would know that by now. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh man. Like, and that's like so burned into my brain. I can like see this dude's
4: face. And I just remember thinking like, Oh man, they're, they're really stern
1: with the rules in Texas. (laughs) Like, Oh, they're really, it just never, uh, you know, there are just things I look back on where I'm just like, Oh man, like there were, there were some like shitty things that happened where you're just too young or innocent or naive to really realize that that's like what's happening to you. Um, so, but at the same time, I, you know, some, my, my, still my best friend, um, my best friend the world, DJ, I met him in Texas um, and he's, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of really great people from the town that I grew up in. So, you know, it's obviously not, uh, you know, there, there are stereotypes about just how bad the South can be. And, you know, a lot of those are overblown in, in certain ways. Cause there's people, there's people, uh, there's people in the South who want you know who have have political values and things like that. They're just so much more spread out in the South. Um, so I think that people try to write off the South and assume that a lot of people have a lot of the same attitudes. When it's not that, you know, that's just not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I don't know. Good good and bad growing up in the South.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean it's very interesting because it's given you many different perspectives. Of course, like well, one because you were traveling in many different areas. You weren't you weren't even stuck to one area, and not like you're saying right. that all of the South is we just, you know, we say reference and we say the South, but there are many different states and like yeah. they don't all do have the same policy. They don't do the you know, act you know, whatever, do the same thing. Um and also, yeah, your your education, like there's just information you learn as you get older which like yeah you know ignorance is bliss uh for you know like a, a part of it but when you're young and it's before you find out more truths about the world yeah and you're just like ah this is what this means <laughs> yeah. and then it just <laughs> right uh-huh. and then you just either get like you know um frustrated or like upset or like happy like whatever the thing is that you learned but um That I mean, do you feel that that's really framed your comedy?
1: I think that um, I think that I have a couple jokes that definitely lean on um, the stereotypes of what people assume the South is like. Um, But I think for the most part, I wouldn't really say so. Um, I I I think that if anything, um, what growing up in the South has done to Influenced the way I look at comedy now. Like, not even, you know, it wasn't just the South itself, but I feel like um, re examining a lot of the experiences I had growing up in the quote unquote South um, and looking at them from a bunch of different angles and like realizing, you know, connecting dots and being like, oh, that's what this was, uh-huh. et cetera. Um, I feel like now, moving forward, I just try to look at everything like that, which, um, you know, to a, to a degree results in some anxiety and overthinking when I try to approach every situation by analyzing the shit out of it. But um, that, I think that also, I think that really helps with my comedy, because I think a lot of um, a lot of the, the jokes that I write are stories, um, and, you know, you can't make a story funny unless you can look at it from, you know, multiple perspectives and point out, you know what's ridiculous or what's weird or this that, and the other. So I think that uh, the the uh, hindsight of living in the south and um, you know the the amount of analyzing I've done on that part of my life is just uh, you know it's affected how I look at everything. And um, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah had a that's had I mean that in and of itself has had a big impact.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: When did you first start doing stand up, Ash?
1: So I actually started, Jordan. You.
0: I was you there. Did that class, right? I I did not take the class. I was randomly oh, okay. connected with that dude uh, because oh, okay,
4: okay. he was in my oh. TV
0: class. That was like a continuing studies class, which was like okay, I didn't realize okay. that it didn't count for my major, but it was like a TV class that was just all about <laughs> Nielsen ratings and how TV <laughs> is about oh, advertising. <laughs> dude, I know
4: exactly.
3: Oh my god! That's wait, 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 wait! Like... Tulane specifically, had a stand-up comedy course
1: yeah so um shout out to wow. professor rebecca mark she's like uh, i don't think she's at Tulane anymore but she uh is just one of the most incredible people i've ever met in my life she's an amazing professor and uh, she offered a class called women in stand-up comedy and i had a friend um that i went to high school with that i ended up at Tulane with um who was in the class and um in high school I used to make like sketches and stuff that I would put on Facebook. Uh fast forward back to this friend of mine is in this uh, stand up class and she hits me up and is like, "Hey, the final for this class, the final exam is to perform a 5-minute stand up routine. Um will you like help me write this?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, that's not something I've ever thought about or ever done, but yeah, that'd be fun." And so I helped her um write like her You know final exam in which you know who who even knows um i don't even remember what we wrote but um i was like oh i should try to get into this class uh and it was you know it was very it was focused on we started with like moms mabley and uh like Mae west and we just like studied the entire history of like women in comedy in the u in the u.s specifically and it was just it was just such a well taught class, such a well constructed class, but it also just it keeps like a. I, I never was just like, oh, I should try stand up. It was like, oh, stand up is this really beautiful, awesome, important thing. That's something I would like to maybe do if I can. It, mm-hmm. If you know, it, wow, it, made it did, like, enough, ignited like a,
3: that flame. Wow,
1: yeah, I totally did. Um, and and so and the final was a five minute set that you did in front of the class and any friends and faculty that were invited um, so I did my set and I remember it going really well and there was uh, this guy I think his name was Alex Goldstein
0: Alex Goldfinger set. Yeah.
1: No. Alex Goldfinger
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, my,
1: my brain I jumped at Goldfinger and I was like no no that's that awesome <laughs> it
4: is it is
0: because we're in a simulation, <laughs> Ash. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs>
1: but um he was um he was helping produce a festival uh that was happening in New Orleans and he um he hit me up, he was at the, the class show and he was like, Hey, I liked your set. We're doing like a new faces thing at this at this uh, bar for the festival. Do you want to do it? And I was like, Hell yeah, amazing. That sounds really good. And then as soon as I walked out of the room, I was like, oh, my God, I'm insane. Like, I never want to talk in front of people. Like, that was so <laughs> scary. What the fuck? Um, and so, actually, the night before, I, I feel like the show was on, like, a Thursday. And the night before, I messaged him, and I was just like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I have to drop out. Like, I can't do this. Um, and he just he just responded, no, you have to. And, <laughs> and he was, it was the whole, like, I was like... Oh, I'm like a sophomore and he's like a upperclassman. Like I felt like I was back in high school. I was like, oh. I have no choice. Um, but no, I went and did it. And it was, it was awesome. Um, and then I, from, from there, I also asked very, very hard.
0: I had to follow him and nobody was watching. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, oh man, it's crazy. Yeah. And after, after that, I did sp- stand up like very sporadically, like hit some open mics, um, but then started doing sketch with Jordan. Um, and I feel like that's where, you know, my, other than an open mic that Jordan and I produced, um, I, I kind of fell out of standup in, in new Orleans. Like I, I, I never got like in touch with the scene there. Um, so I, I was mostly doing improv and sketch, uh, after that. And then when I got to Burlington, um. It was just kind of like okay well you know i don't know anyone here so i'll start doing stand-up again mm-hmm. uh, or focusing on stand-up because that's you know what i can do by myself um yeah so yeah so it was kind of a an in and out i feel like i've been like seriously doing stand-up for you know probably the last five years now and before that you know i probably my first that that class was probably 2014 maybe mm. so um, so it's been I feel like I've been in definitely been pursuing comedy in one way or another for about seven years now.
3: What are your um goals for the future? I mean time to reflect. <laughs> time <laughs> to reflect mm, <laughs> like yes. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, not like end goals, because obviously just however you're you, you would like to grow as an artist, what are some of the if you know, like any of them right now, some things that yeah. you'd like to
1: hit? Well, I think, um, I think there's, there's two main things. Um, one being, um, I would really like to, even if it means doing like a whole bunch of shows and guest spots and kind of just making ends meet, I'd love to have comedy be, um, you know my,
4: my job, like the, you know, all
1: I, that's all I have to do is get up and work on the thing that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing, one thing that I've, I've immediately come to learn, um, just from the friends I have started making here in New York is that that is totally possible. Like it's a, it's a hustle, it's a grind. And you are like making ends meet, but you don't have to be on TV or touring the country to have comedy be your job. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting just knowing like, okay, that's something I can aspire to. Like maybe I won't be able to live in a one bedroom apartment forever, but like, you know, if I have roommates, I like things like that. If, if there are things in my life currently that I would sacrifice if it meant that I could, um, you know, sustain myself from, from comedy. Um, and two, the other goal being to just fully integrate, the person I am on stage with who I am off stage Mm -hmm. um, because I've found that, um, you know, everyone's like doing a character to a degree when they're on stage. um, But I've found I've had like a really, um, I I like take it too far. And I like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) here's here's an example. Like, I, I feel like I compartmentalize on stage to the point where it's oftentimes detrimental to personal life because i'm just like separating i'm making things different and like an example of that is um in 2017 i got a dy and it was like uh it was you know worst decision i've ever made i wasn't i wasn't actually and it's just the whole thing's fucked um (laughs) i wasn't actually driving my car i had parked it what seems to have happened is I got into my car and was like, oh, man, I'm too drunk to drive, but I am already driving. I should stop immediately. Mm-hmm. So I just parked my car in the middle of the street and like perp- perpendicularly, like I kind of turned it against. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh God. God. And I put my hazards on. And, uh, oh, thank like, well, God I you put your hazards on. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that I thought I was like in a parking lot. Yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that. But I was just in the middle of a, a, a street literally called Battery Street. I, I'm <laughs> on the <middle>. hill. <laughs> um, and, and I woke up, I came to in jail. And I was like, "Whoa!" Like, you know, I wasn't even like sad at first. I was just truly flabbergasted. Like, oh my god! Like, Am I for real in jail right now? Like, what, what could have happened? <laughs> um, and then, and then, it, and then it became incredibly sad after that. <laughs> and this cop, like, this cop, like, took me home the next day. And I had to like tell my girlfriend at the time, you know, she was like, where were you? And I was like, don't worry, baby. I was not cheating on you. It was somehow worse, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually much worse. I was arrested. Um, but, (laughs) but so it was like, and I had to get a lawyer and it actually, I was, I had been hoping to move to New York around that time, but I actually, I had to use all of my savings on a lawyer and like the, the legal fees and, um, you see those signs that say like DUI you can't afford it it's true man that shit set me back and i totally deserved it you know i did i that was like such a stupid stupid thing uh very lucky that no one got hurt but but (laughs) um, (laughs) (laughs) a couple weeks later you know it really it really fucked up my life i started writing a joke about it and i started performing this joke about it and it quickly it became like one of my best jokes like it was my closer for like a couple months Um, And it was like kind of a longer joke and I was really proud of it um, because I had, and you know, this, this joke, I've done it in a couple different places, but again, like I am a brand new comedian in the scheme of things. So who knows if the joke is actually good or not, but it's done well for me so far. I was able to walk this line of talking about this really shitty thing I did, but people still liking me. Mm-hmm. And not only liking me, but laughing with me and even being on my side by mm-hmm. the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that joke just, you know, nightly almost. And then it, it it got to the point where, oh, yeah, I got a DUI, but it's a joke. It's funny. You know, mm-hmm. it's hilarious that that happened. And it's, you know, if anything, my life's gotten better since because look, I've got this killer joke. And then a couple months later, my license got suspended. I had to go to court. And it, I just realized I had not processed any, I had not actually processed the reality of the situation I was in at mm. all. And it just, it was, it was so hard to deal with. And I just emotionally like really fucked me up. And it was like, I wasn't processing the emotions of this awful thing I did um, that happened to me six months ago. I, I had somehow delayed it by six months and that made it so much worse. Cause it was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. this is not a joke. This is a real thing that happened. Um, and instead of, at that point in my life, instead of realizing that and being like, that's not healthy, let's not, you can joke about stuff, but let's not like do that thing where someone beats a lie detector test because they believe the lie so much. Mm. Like, that's where I felt like I was going. And instead of pointing that out and being like, that's unhealthy, let's do the opposite. I was just like, oh man, I should just do this with everything in my life. I just put Mm. like everything on emotional layaway. I was like, oh, I can joke about it. And I don't have to feel it until, you know, however long I can hold it off. Like stuff with like when I was going through a breakup, when I was like really, really struggling with like some drinking and drug stuff, like I was like, oh, as long as it's still funny, then it's not real. It's not really happening to me. It's just, it's just an experience that I can joke about. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's like, um, I, I think what I've realized is I can't, I can't fully be, I can't compartmentalize or I have a tendency to compartmentalize to that degree on stage. And I feel like to combat it, I need to be my most as authentic as I possibly can be on stage. And like, if I'm going to talk about, if I'm going to talk about shitty things I've done, I need to own them and not just totally make them into jokes. Um, so I think that's my, my set, my second goal. For comedy here is is to just be yeah really integrate who i am on and off stage so i'm not constantly jumping back between two people and two lenses yeah
2: that's cool i think that actually shows like 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 kind of like the maturity of comic because even if you think about like all like like a lot of the great greatest comics like a lot of mid-star off kind of like really trying to hide this persona and it's, it's at some point you're like like you they you just like learn to embrace like your like the realness of your life and like and finding it's so like still find the humor in that but just in a, yeah. in a more connected way right
1: totally yeah exactly exactly um so yeah and i feel like i feel like i've already seen the ways in which i'm going to be able to continue uh working on that like the open mics i've been going to um you know you see like 30 40 people a night and um just by virtue of that and of people being funny, you hear a lot of the same stuff being talked about and it just, you know, it doesn't mean you can't, it doesn't mean you can't talk about that thing too. You just got to like, okay, what is your most unique take? Like what is, mm-hmm. why, why do I want to hear you talk about that thing? Right. And it's like, okay, the more, the more of who, the more of uh, your true self you bring on stage, the more access you get to the kind of comedy that in theory would eventually <clears> set you apart. Um. Yeah i hope yeah yeah well
3: i i'm i i think we can all agree that your um voice is definitely unique in comedy in general and for stand-up yeah well also because we know you like as a you know like personally and you're really really awesome person um but it is like you're saying when everyone's kind of like barking the same thing in a whole crowd and it's just like all right well then we don't need somebody to say the same thing about the same topic about the same perspective and the blah, blah 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 um so I, I just think it's it's really cool the I, your own personal growth that you've just shared and like the the other stuff that you're continuing to conquer because it's only natural um, and I think just of, as far as like psychologically our brains to do like self defense will disassociate ourselves from yeah. whatever uh, like the event happened into our life so we don't have to process it because <laughs> <Right? it's>, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah like we all <laughs> so, had to. <laughs> Yeah, and we were all in like the, the same boat when we had to quarantine. Like our minds just drifted off and started self reflecting and self analyzing oh on all these past months and years mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. our own, you know, life baggage. And we're like, oh mm-hmm. gosh, like now yeah. what is this? <laughs> we didn't know we were opening the the door to the abyss. But uh, there it oh goes. My God. <laughs> yeah. So, um. But I think yeah, I think that's splendid because it's I I think what you're doing is way better than like you know comedians you've been or you know in now cancel culture but guys who are like oh no that's not really me that's a character when they've done mm. me too east up <laughs> like that's yeah. that's really like, because that's what i thought when you said in the <coughs> beginning and it's like you know when people you're like you know being an authentic self and this is not just like a character but then i feel like some comedians are like oh no but that was a character mm. on yeah. stage That'll this is me. the real me and it's like you're sharing the same bullshit <laughs> like what
2: there are 20 characters really? right they're all awful pieces of shit <laughs>
3: yeah yeah um, but I, I think it's also like, yeah. people are connecting with that. Like people don't want the shiny fake, you know, yeah. bullshit on the surface. Like they don't, they're, they want to like see and hear, they're like, Oh, this person is a real person. Like they're being yeah. honest with us. They're like, I don't think that's all that should be an expectation. I don't think everybody has to unload that. I think it's very, sure. uh, proper and respectable for people to keep a separation with their you know because it's your private life whatever is in your private life versus whatever public persona you want to put out there but I think people are really connecting with that now on social media and whatever just because yeah people are so physically distant their way of connecting is like they I want to go through your layers like I don't want to just see this people just don't want fake anymore so I think that's Yeah. yeah and I I think that's um and it's tough it's fucking hard like everyone who's who's gone through their own experiences like the the bad ones it's nice that you could if they you know see you and they hear you and they could be like oh wow he has this perspective that kind of like uplifted it brought it out of the dark shed some light on it i can do that now to mine like it's kind Mm. of a teachable moment it is therapeutic for other people so yeah that's my two cents
4: yeah yeah for someone for someone who
2: has never uh, because we also want to get into like you as a musician too because we know like a pretty strong musical background uh just kind of to kind of segue these uh comedy into the music for someone who's never performed live on stage, how do you best describe the feeling it feels to be on stage performing for people?
1: Like stand-up or music? Both. Even, oh.
2: Yeah, both, yeah. Yeah,
3: for someone who's okay, never yeah. who's never done it. Oh, what would you sure. yeah, how would you dis- oh, describe Oh man.
1: It's kind of just like Oh man. That's that's so hard to that's hard to do. Great job, I think it's such a hard (laughs) question.
2: I give him the stump, but this is this this is 16 minutes with marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it.
3: Why didn't we name our thing that? Next time,
4: Um, (laughs) I think um I
1: think the feeling of of going on stage is if you've never done it before, it is similar to. Um, it is similar to being at like a dinner with people, like say you're at dinner with like your friends and, and they brought like your friend brought their friends that you're not friends with. Mm -hmm. And so like y'all are sitting there and you're kind of doing the whole like, oh man, are they better friends than I am? Or like, (laughs) where am I? Like, what am I? And, uh, when you, when you say something that makes someone you don't really know that well, genuinely laugh, like, like when it kind of catches you off guard, but you like you're like, oh man, I got you. Like that's like a real you're not just being polite with that laugh. Mm. Um, which is kind of like such a small delight that you get to feel from time to time. That's what being on stage feels like to me for for comedy. Like when it when it works out, it's just like, oh man, like I made you laugh. Like I was just connected with you. Like, mm. oh and it's and it's kind of a small feeling. Like it's kind of this intimate, like just this beautiful little moment, but you get to do it. 10, 15, 20, 30 times right. at once. Right. Um, so, and almost now, the, I feel like the further I get into that analogy, it's kind of starting to sound like a drug. I'm just like, you just take a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Microdosing comedy. <laughs>
3: I love that description. That's so good. I am just going to interject in here, just revisit. Um, are there any Stephen King works you just want to
4: oh add to that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: said it let's do Salem's Lot uh Story Gerald's Game um 1922 uh, um um Bag of Bones Under the Dome um uh let's see oh no the Langoliers um do you have a favorite oh uh my favorite is probably Bag of Bones was the first Stephen King book I read, and that one was near and dear to my heart for a while. I think my favorite is probably um, uh, Pet Cemetery,
4: which mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I said yet. But, no, you did um, <clears throat> Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, Pet Cemetery is just... I felt so physically ill after reading that book. Like, it is one of the most vile, scary
4: things oh, wow. I've ever read, and it is to this day the only book to
1: invoke such an intense uh reaction i just thought it was so
4: like well read or well
1: done um that's incredible what is your uh, attraction
3: to because we know you have a horror movie podcast um what is your attraction (laughs) to horror
1: (laughs) um so it really started with my dad um he really likes horror movies and my mom hates them and my, my, we, we had like a guest room with a TV and my mom would be like, if you guys are going to watch horror movies, uh, you got to go do it in the guest room. And so my dad would take me into the guest room and I like, I don't know if I wanted to or not, but he would, I would always end up watching them. <laughs> um, and it got to a point where he would always fall asleep during the movies. I have this really vivid memories. Like we were like on sleeping in this bed and I was up against the wall and he was on the outside and he'd be like oh you want to watch this horror movie and i'd be like uh if you stay up i will he'd always be like yeah yeah okay i'll stay up and so he would put it on and he put the remote on the bedside table which is on his side of the bed and then 20 minutes into the movie he would inevitably fall asleep before anything actually scary happened So i would would just be watching this horror movie uh by myself um and just like i can't fall asleep because the scariest things i've ever seen are happening in front of my eyes and i would be like pinned to the wall wanting to try to get the remote without waking him up, but I couldn't because it was over his body. Uh So I would just end up watching these movies. um, And I started... I love how that's what was stopping you. That (laughs) is the obstacle.
2: That's the horror movie of the horror movie. (laughs) Don't
1: wake up, Dad.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. How old were were you?
1: Oh, man. I must have been... This was like when we lived in North Carolina and then in Alabama, so... Probably around, like, first grade age. Oh, like, in my God. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty young. Six, like,
4: six
1: years old. <laughs> yeah. wait, wait, which <laughs> kind
2: of horror movies get you the most, scares wise um, like, A good haunted house, because I don't
4: oh. not believe, mm. <laughs> you know, so... yeah, yeah, I get that. I remember
1: one of the first movies I remember being scared of was... It's actually a miniseries, a Stephen King miniseries, but it's not a book, but he wrote it for TV... But he wrote this work. so yeah, it works yeah it counts cool um it's it's called rose red um and mm-hmm. it was about like this haunted manor and it was kind of like a um kind of a clue situation and i'm saying that and i don't know i haven't actually seen or played clue but like a bunch <laughs> of people go <laughs> it's, it's what i'm assuming is a clue situation like, a bunch <laughs> of different people um show up to this manor because a family a distant relative like promises them money or like something like that and so all these different people have to show up to the manor and they have to stay and there's like this scene of uh all these hallway doors closing and uh this guy like reaching out to someone the doors from closing and it slams on his fingers and it all of his fingers come off oh. and i was just like it just scared me so much and my dad was asleep and i was like so scared but then i was just like oh that was also kind of sick though was just like <laughs> <a
4: switch. laughs> it was just it just
1: happened one day my brain was just like all right we gotta evolve we gotta make them like this because it's not wow. gonna happen anytime soon and so now i do i love a good haunted house movie they yeah
2: yeah Ooh.
3: those are good yeah and what is the podcast
1: called uh the podcast is called get out the house uh we we took a little sabbatical because uh one of our co-hosts uh was finishing up grad school and the other just had a baby um so i was like guys when can you record and they were both like we we cannot, <laughs> we <laughs> simply cannot. um Babies. but yeah it's called get out the house it's on uh any any platform you get podcasts and basically me as i graciously mentioned earlier on i'm mixed um and one of the other co-hosts is black and the other one is white And basically the focus of the podcast is I feel like it's pretty common for people to joke about like, Oh, like why are characters so stupid in horror movies? And obviously that's done because that's, you know, how you can't write a movie. Sometimes, sometimes people got to be dumb for a movie to work. (laughs) That's, that's gotta happen. Um, but we thought it'd be really fun to take that step further. And me and, uh, my friend Zanny. We interview our white friend Nick and make him defend um, all the stupid things that white people do in <laughs> horror movies. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, thanks. It, it's been it's been really really fun to do, and also just like an incredible. I'm, as I'm sure you guys know, but it's just like doing a podcast with friends. It's just an incredible way to stay connected and like continue building your friendship because like you just you know you say stuff, you learn stuff that you didn't know, and it's mm-hmm. just yeah, it's it's awesome, man it we've been lucky enough to do pretty well too like it's
4: doing it's getting people are listening cool. and i think it's pretty funny so um yeah um i love Yay. it <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah Ash, are there any uh, like going back to the horror movies? Is there are there any because uh, you know music plays a pretty significant role in uh, in horror movies, both in like the, the suspense mm-hmm. and like, just, like the overall tone. Are there any movie scores that you that like stand out to you? Ooh. Ones that like kind of or just like really did the job
4: solid
1: question yeah man. you know what's a a recent one um that i really loved well recent i think this was like 2017 or 2018 now but um the movie raw did you guys ever see yo it? i yeah.
2: love raw oh
4: it's so, so good <laughs> and, it's,
1: and i guess it is a horror movie like it is i mean it's scary what happens in it um yeah. and i i just thought um it, it just that that score to me had like the feelings of kind of like a of a happier movie like of a um of an art house indie kind of like an a24 or like a wes anderson no not even Wes. who am i trying to think of but you know just like uh it it didn't it felt indie yeah but it felt comfortable and that juxtaposed with like the terrifying things that were happening in the movie i thought was uh it just i remember listening to it for a while afterwards um but i also you know love the classics too of just like the exorcist oh yeah is is there a better one? I mean, I'm sure maybe, but I don't know, man. That's <laughs> it's pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, did you have anything spooky happen to you in New Orleans? A very spooky uh oh my God, unique city.
4: Dude.
1: I had I had one experience that felt strange to me. Um there was a night, uh it was like a Saturday night. And it must have been I remember that Buku Fest was happening, which is a music festival. Um I, I only remember it because all of my like roommates went and I I didn't for, for whatever reason. Um I think maybe I couldn't afford it or something like that. But I just remember that's why I was by myself and um it was also this is I'm giving away clues of how actually traumatic this memory is for me because all the specific things I remember,
4: but that resonates. It, it was
1: also um the unbreakable kimmy schmidt had just come out like it was also <laughs> it was a friday night actually i love the details uh, that came out and i remember thinking oh i really want to watch this um but i was like kind of restless and i was um you know when like it kind of first hits you in college that you're like oh i can do whatever i want like i can just fucking walk I can leave at like 1 a.m. and just walk outside and it was kind of one of those I just got on a bike and um I I don't remember like what angst I was feeling but I was like I'm gonna go for a bike ride and I'm gonna watch this happy Kimmy Schmidt show because that seems funny and uh (laughs) yeah so I so I go get on my bike and I end up going pretty far past um down to the fly for, for Jordan. Um, yes, I guess, I don't know if y'all visit New Orleans, but it's, it's like this park that's probably like a 10-ish minute bike ride from campus. Um, but it goes up to, a, or, you know, there's access to the levee from it and you can, um, there's a path that just follows along the levee and it just kind of goes and goes for quite a while. Um, so I biked to that and, um, I was just kind of going, listening to music and I realized there's like one other person on the path like way ahead of me and they're far enough ahead of me that I can't tell if they're like moving away from me or if they're coming towards me. Um, And as I was getting kind of closer, it was like, I was like, Oh, this person isn't biking. They're running. Um, And I was like, okay, like, that's like, I was like, you know, I'm on a running path. Like sure. And and then I was like, Oh, it's 2am. But I was like, well, but I'm biking at 2am. So maybe it's just someone else. But then like, I love how your as brain was,
3: automatically puts logic into yeah, right, it right, it's and back in you like oh <laughs> this is how this can make sense.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as I'm like biking closer you know how there's a difference between someone who is running cuz they're on a run. Uh-huh. <laughs> And someone who's running, like they're being chased by (laughs) something. There's like a a little less finesse.
4: Yes. Oh, jeez. I
1: noticed as I was biking closer, I noticed that's how this person was running. Like, they're like hauling ass. And I was like, I couldn't tell, I was like, were they, had they been run and they were still just far enough away that I was like, were they running the whole time, or did they break into a run? Like, are they running towards me, or is something behind them? And so I end up, so I, I just, I get like, I get really, really paranoid, and the person's probably like, I don't know, like a good still, like, 200 feet from me, like, far enough away that I was like, okay, I'm going to turn my bike around and go the other way, uh, cause that this is scary. <laughs> um and so I'm biking the other way and I'm kinda hauling ass and I look back and dude's just gone. Like just and it's a straight it's a straight path and I look back and dude's just gone. And so like realistically he probably like took a tumble off the side or he like you know of his own volition like went down the side or like, something like that. But I was just very upset but i was like i started to i literally started to slow down and then was like what the fuck are you doing you fucking idiot like why would you slow down right now like keep keep going um and i hauled ass all the way back to my apartment got back to or to my apartment to the fucking dorms get in sit down all the lights are on and I start watching Kimmy Schmidt, but I'm like shook. I'm like mm. I'm feeling really like I'm like, oh that was super fucking weird, like just really strange. Where'd that guy go? And why was he running like that? And I just couldn't sleep. And then I get a text uh from one of my roommates and he's just like, uh, yo, um, do you wanna get a big pancake? Uh, cause the our dining or one of the <laughs> there was a diner on our campus that did like these humongous, humongous pancakes. And, um, so I was like, yeah, sure, man. Uh, actually that would be really great. I could really use, uh, I could, would love to talk to somebody sure. right now. Um, and so rem- remember this is like a music festival. So everyone's like getting back to campus around this time. So we get to the diner and it's packed and I'm kind of like shook and it's like four in the morning at this point. And I start trying to tell my buddy about it. And he's like, wait, 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 is this going to be a scary story? And I was like, I, honestly, yeah, kind of. And he was like, you have to stop. I'm very, I'm tripping really hard on acid right now. And you can't oh, <laughs> yeah,
3: that would have not And so then good. I just had
1: story blue balls, and I was just like, r- suddenly surrounded by all these people who were drunk and happy. And I was like, I feel like I just saw a ghost, maybe. Oh, and like, man. I was just on a, such a different uh, planet than everyone else in then. uh I finally went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and my buddy was like, Yeah, I didn't sleep last night because the acid and I watched all of season one of Kimmy Schmidt. It's pretty good.
4: Uh, so then I did too. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: thank that's, goodness that's... you weren't one of those stupid people in horror movies and you talked yourself out of it and you're like, Don't stop, keep going. No, for
4: real. Yeah, I, oh my God.
3: Because, yeah. I
4: truly, I maybe felt that...
3: so stupid. <laughs> the... I was like, what are you doing? I'm so curious. What could that have been?
1: It was so strange. It was so strange. yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you like do you
2: generally believe in like the existence of like ghosts and like the afterlife and spirits? Like, what, what are your thoughts on
1: those topics? So here's the thing <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like there is so much about the world, about our planet, the ocean, space, that we are nowhere near fathoming. That I I just don't feel like you can say there's no way there's no ghost. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> like, I I just feel like, because maybe, you know, maybe it's a science thing. Like, maybe our souls are, you know, neutrons or something. I don't know. <laughs> <I'm
4: just> like,
2: <laughs> our souls are Thanks, neutrons. Jimmy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, I,
1: I don't know. I feel like there is so much about our world that we
4: And, and, you know, maybe
1: ghosts, uh, maybe they don't exist in, like, the way that we, like, traditionally, like, what we think a ghost, what we would define a ghost as. But Mm. um, whether that's something to do with, like, time travel or, you know, I don't know. I just, I think there's so much that we cannot know and do not know that, um, and, and there's just so many, there are so many stories of people who have truly unexplainable things happening to them. Um, that probably do have a quote-unquote scientific explanation. I sound crazy right <laughs> now. <laughs> um, that have a scientific explanation, but maybe it's just scientific in a way that we cannot fathom or understand. Mm-hmm. Currently. I, I um, do.
3: I agree. I don't think it's that mind-boggling because, like, basic i mean law of physics or thermodynamics i mean the energy cannot be created nor destroyed so uh, what happens most, it it just exactly it just Hell gets yeah, transferred
4: <laughs> it's in a different form and we
3: just don't know what that Science. is then, so that backs it up like that's just there. there's no and that also too like you're saying so many people have so many cases or incidences that they like on put on record or recall or whatever and it's like what are like all these people just getting punked like yeah.
4: no <laughs> i just get I think it's like a
2: point that like that human beings like can only think how human beings think so it's like as much as we want mm-hmm. to imagine we can think how like animals or like other kind of creatures think like we we don't because you, you only have the capacity of a human brain yeah
1: exactly dude that's just like so do you guys know the Fermi paradox or right. have y'all y'all fuck with aliens
4: basically the Fermi paradox it's kind of like this the
1: the, the bare bones of the theory is just this this scientist who was just like um he's like the universe is so vast and so huge and so uh wide sprawling that there's no way that uh life intelligent life out there doesn't exist right mm-hmm. but if that's the case, why don't we know about it like why have yeah, they not contacted yeah. us? why haven't you know and so it's just like that paradox of they must be out there, but we can't like but they aren't yeah. Yeah. but why um and one of and there's like a whole bunch of different like potential you know potential uh, like theories and things like that, but one that I find so interesting is um like the analogy of like an ant bed by a highway because uh so like if we were ants in an ant bed and there was like the busiest highway in the world right beside us we we don't even acknowledge that it exists because it's because it is so far beyond our Mm -hmm. means of understanding Mm -hmm. like we are ants and we build our house out of dirt like we look up at that and it's just like, what is that? I don't know. I guess it's maybe part of the sky because I just can't imagine <laughs> it's anything else. Um And so, one of the art or one of the theories behind like why we haven't contacted intelligent life is that maybe, like, maybe we are like ants in an ant bed, and there is just like the the intelligent life is just so far ahead of us that we're not we're not there yet. We can't even see
4: it. Hmm. Mm.
3: Yeah, I am. Um... I, I can see some. I would believe, yeah, yeah, I believe that there's some some truth in that. Also, because uh, for our capabilities, it being so beyond, like you, we have to keep order if there's stuff that's just so overwhelming to us then it is complete mm-hmm. chaos we won't be able to take it we can't no. people can't people are flat earthers we're, for christ's sake yeah. like people don't <laughs> even believe actual like the earth is round. like people can't even fathom real shit that's hurting
2: yeah them we're, ex- we're a sensitive species <laughs> so, for sure yeah no, we're exactly. fragile
3: and especially now no we don't want to take any new no. stuff on are you kidding we can't we mustn't <laughs> um it's too dangerous yeah.
2: Ash, do you have a quote-unquote spirit animal that you think maybe you were in a past life or that you would be in a future life?
1: Oh, man. Hmm. I guess... Wait, that I think I was? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what you would Um, like
4: to be. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was maybe... I hope I'm just high, but I'm like, do I know any animals?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is broccoli um, an animal? <laughs> <I
4: don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> Is man <Yeah>. an animal? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, No, I don't know. I feel like something, I was maybe something like a... Um, like like a turtle but like one of the like ones that'll bite like mm-hmm. i feel like because right now i feel like i'm like i feel like i'm mostly go with the flow mm-hmm. um but like i can be kind of pissy like i do feel like i've learned that about myself like i can be kind of a moody bitch um (laughs) and so i feel like and i feel like that's a lot of times like there are two kinds of turtle videos right that you see on the internet it's like one of like a really really old cute one or it's one that it's just like they hold up like a watermelon to it and it like bites the watermelon in half so i feel like that's kind of like where uh, I, maybe I'm just describing my bipolar disorder but that's like kind of <laughs> of me these days um so maybe maybe a turtle and then I think I'd like to be um I think I'd love to be a sloth man Ooh. they seem to have it made um I mean you know like you gotta be living good if there's like a deadly sin named after you it's like no you can't sloth <laughs> like, true which yes came first <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Brendan?
2: Oh, I'm dog all the way. I know you I, were a dog, and you're gonna be a dog. I, I definitely think I was a dog before, because sometimes that I, makes sense. Yeah, I just like I like, I like I feel like sometimes like dogs are like. You know, why do you seem like a dog to me why do you seem like a dog to me because i'm clearly not a dog to them and then at some point i'm able to convince them that i was a dog and then I, I feel like they're like oh okay yeah i get it i don't get it but i get it um oh, wow. and i hope that i am reincarnated back into a dog at some point in my life so i'm, oh, cool. I'm going for that that brandy sandwich with dog bread yeah yeah
3: wow that's what i'll say
2: dog human dog human i feel like it'll give me some good takes on the world yeah yeah like yeah i feel
3: like i was a bird
2: yeah which kind I'm of bird? you know kind I don't
3: know what kind, but I very have like sporadic energy like that sometimes. I could be like up in people's like face and then also just like my body movements or how I like, pivot, and I'm like whatever like I <laughs> you know maybe a hummingbird, something small, mm-hmm. I'm definitely smaller like packed with power, yeah. but I would like to be. <laughs> Uh, transferred my energy into lightning.
4: <laughs> that's awesome.
3: <laughs> I don't want to kill anybody, though. Right. I don't want to, but I mean, maybe that's not up to me. I don't even know. Okay. Like, what if lightning? Like, they don't do it on purpose. They're just like yeah. wrong person, there, wrong place, wrong time. It nice,
4: you know. It just happens.
3: But I would like, yeah, that'd be crazy. What is that like? That's like you know, like a like a thirty times what like an orgasm is like. Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, just.
4: And that's what performing live feels like. Oh, very nice. Uh,
0: I feel like I uh, probably I don't know. uh, Maybe a bear or something because I like to hibernate (laughs) in the winter. Mm. You want to be
3: a bear or you were a bear?
0: Was a bear. Mm. Yeah, I I don't like being outside at all in the winter <laughs> I would just like to have eaten all summer and then get to sleep good life also a good life also yeah good also life. I like honey <laughs> oh,
4: those yeah. are the two also apologies. I feel
0: I feel misunderstood sometimes mm. oh <laughs> you think mis- you'd like a bear
4: <laughs> yeah I
0: feel like bears are nice people nice bears
2: though
0: no, they're not people what <laughs> like yeah they're nice bears. bear people <laughs> <laughs> I know, I
2: yeah
3: just uh, clarifying for the folks who are listening
2: <laughs> like are they bears? I don't are know. People? <laughs> uh, yeah, people um, in bear suits. Yes, it's yeah. <laughs> yes. good thing for a band.
4: <laughs>
2: yes, wow. yes. Spe- Actually, speaking of bands, Ash, um, you are a musician. You have had some experience with uh, music. Would you mind uh, telling us about how you first got into <laughs> music? Uh...
1: Yeah, sure. I so uh, I, I always like I started writing like raps and lyrics down when I was in like middle school. Um, and I would do this super cool thing where I would um, download download popular songs, uh, remove um like the rap verses. Um, uh, like usually it was like a pop song that had like a random rap verse, like when like an Ariana Grande song has like a Big Sean verse. Um, I would download it, take out like the Big Sean part, and I would like record my own uh like verse over that, cool. and then I'd like show it to like two or three people on my iPod shuffle, and be like. That's me. Do you like it? Like is it good? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who are the people that you and, first showed your music to?
1: Um, just like really close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, like two of my best friends at the time. I remember um being like, You can't make fun of me, you can't make fun of me. Uh but this is me. And 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 actually both times they were like, Oh, this like isn't the worst thing I've ever heard. Um and basically I never fucked with music again after that. Um, But I was always around, like, very musical people. All my roommates, like, played guitar and, um, like, uh, made beats and played piano and stuff like that. So um, I was always around, like, people, quote-unquote, jamming and stuff like that. And then when I moved to Vermont, I, through a mutual friend, met, met this guy who was a drummer in a band that was breaking up. And I just kind of... I don't even know particularly why, but I was just like, Hey dude, if you ever want to like fuck around sometime, I write lyrics, um, would love to like, you know, maybe hang out and like play some music or something. Uh, and he was like, okay, yeah, that'd be great. And then he messaged me a couple times, a few weeks, you know, uh, over a couple weeks. And he was just like, you know, I I invited this person, this person, and what kind of music do you like? And let's exchange like music, music tastes and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, this seems kind of intense. Um, and then, I got to his house for our first rehearsal and he was like, Hey, it was him and there were like six other people in the space. And he was like, Yo, so this is the band. And I was like, The what? And he was like, This is our band. I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, have we started a band? And he was like, Yeah, man, I thought we could start a band. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he was like, Also, we talked and we think your last name would be a really cool name for the band. Hmm. And I was super uncomfortable with that at first because hmm. because like you can't no one believes that I didn't name the band. <laughs> <All laughs> I'm <right. laughs> <laughs> telling you guys
2: this story now. I know I'm just gonna just have to live with this. No one will ever believe that I did not name the band yeah. after myself. John Bon Jovi um, has the same issue. He says the exact same <laughs> thing. So, <yeah. laughs>
1: I don't uh, no, I, I so we we just kind of like started You know we just were fucking around and then that guy worked at a ski resort and he was like hey i got us a gig in a month um to play for an hour at uh this like new year's eve thing and i was like dude we don't have we barely have like one song what are you talking about playing for an hour a month from now um
4: and (laughs) we ended up we
1: we wrote like 10 songs and we banged it out and we did the show and like it went well and then we just kept getting booked for stuff and it was like It just kind of happened. I was like, oh, shit, I'm fucking in a band. Um, And it was really cool. It was so different from stand-up. Like, I was super uncomfortable in that world. Like, I just was so – I just assumed I'd be fine on stage because I was fine on stage doing stand-up, but it's just such a whole different thing. And you also don't have the defense mechanism of comedy unless you're, like, explicitly, like, you know, writing a funny line in a song. But everything else was like, you know, you're being pretty, you know, honest uh if if you choose to be. And um yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. It was really amazing to be able to um yeah, to play live music. I mean it was that was crazy. That was like I, I don't even know how I would describe that. Like it was so different from stand up. Um it was it was very we we played at college once, like towards towards the end of our time together. We played at a college, I, I think it was Saint Lawrence University in it's like upstate New York, I think. Mm. But um We played there, and it was just one of those – it was a venue that was on the campus, but it was one of those things where it's, like, the only thing to do. So it was packed, like, fucking crazy packed. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, these people didn't come to see – like, some of them came to see us. Most of them just came here to do something, but they're, like, on board. Like, they're they're down with this. And, like, performing, doing that show was just – fucking insane like i was like oh i see how this kills people and i was only i was playing at like a very small school in upstate new york and i was like oh man like
2: yeah yeah
1: i was like i couldn't imagine being actually successful in this field because i don't know if i could handle that it was just it was it was really really incredible um and we got like fairly popular in burlington which was really cool um and having people you know this was also because we didn't have a huge catalog but like seeing people like si- like singing the words to your songs like man that was fucking nuts dude that was really crazy um that was really crazy so um do you yeah and that's oh, go Sorry, ahead. go ahead no, no go ahead no I, I was literally just gonna say that's that's kind of how i got into got in and out of music
3: and that um well uh that experience like came to a close right an end that band's mm-hmm. not producing any more music like do you are you still writing on the side like do you want to do any more raps or any, or you're like I mean obviously you said earlier you're like on the stand-up path like this is obviously what yeah. you're doing in the forefront okay no I think I
1: would love to um I I think that it's like, it's something that I definitely don't miss. A, I miss the outlet, I guess. Mm. Um, I, I definitely miss the outlet. Um, and I also, there were like things, um, things in the band that like, you know, just like directions, the, the type of music that we were making, I like really, really loved. But I also, there's always been a part of me that kind of wants to, would love to experiment with like, you know, like more traditional hip hop beats and stuff like that. And like, try, just try out that avenue. Cause the people I was in the band with were like, such incredibly talented musicians that I like sometimes I didn't like know how to communicate
4: mm. with
1: them, mm-hmm. you know, about, cause, um, which, which led to me feeling like I didn't always, um, not even that I didn't get the input because everyone always gave me a hundred chances for input. I just didn't know how to say what I wanted out of some of the music. We yeah. Were doing. It seemed like there was um, like
3: a language barrier.
1: Right. It's just, it's- and it's a hundred percent just cause they mm-hmm. were, you know, they, I was so out of my depth playing with a lot of the folks, and I think that if I went back to music, I would want to kind of, like, find someone, like, hook, link up with someone, like, beats-wise or producer-wise mm, that, mm. like, you know, that I really, is either, like, in a similar place as me, or, like, is, is open to working with people who are, like, you know, just kind of fucking around on the side. Like, I don't think it's ever something I'd want to, um, like, full-on pursue gotcha, um gotcha. But, yeah but yeah. but it is yeah it's always a fun hobby
2: yeah ash if you could control the soundtrack to your life what kind of artists would be playing in the, on the the headphones of your world as you're walking around during the day
1: oh man as i'm walking around during the day mm. um i think it's super moody to say but it might be the 1975 um mm. they're they're one of my favorite bands but um <clears throat> They also have a wide enough array of sounds that I feel like uh, I I feel like if I'm walking around, if I'm if the 1975 is the soundtrack, like I can I can hear some low acoustic, moody, sad boy shit, but I can also hear like some some big like some choir choruses and some Hmm. horns and some uplifting shit. Um, and and yeah, I do feel like oftentimes at my core I am kind of a moody. Uh, little little boy sometimes. So I, I need I need music that can meet me meet me in the middle there sometimes. Mm. What about you? What about you? Oh, yeah, I, I, I hard to question. No,
2: Hans but, Zimmer. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Strictly Hans. <laughs> when the Hans ends, I hit repeat and play Hans again. <laughs> Um, No, I definitely, so one time uh, someone at college asked me, they're like, oh, like, Brian, what kind of music do you listen to? And I, like, gave a a list of musicians, and she's like, that sounds like the playlist called Sad Girl Music, so I definitely am (laughs) on the same play as you. Yeah, no. I I like the analogy you made up, but I like the idea that, like, it's it feels good sometimes to have music that meets you in the middle i think that's a very interesting way of looking at it where like there's some music that is just like i'm gonna hit you with everything and you have no input <laughs> you have to just defend yourself and you're like, <laughs> you're like embracing it and other ones where you have to like really like stretch yourself emotionally in order to like get to the place that they are because they're like very yeah. restrained in some way but though, I, I like the idea of music that like it kind of pulls you towards them by also like going towards you a little bit too i think i feel like because like, like you know that feeling when you like listen to a song and it just clicks with you immediately yeah. and you're like you're like this is my new favorite song like yeah. that, that's how what it feels like i think sometimes so yeah, 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 it's, it's like, a, yeah so that's shout good. out to regina specter man she's the queen of the sad girl oh i love like, regina like, specter yeah so. oh, my god god bless
4: her yeah <laughs>
2: yeah um, yeah. Um well Ash uh before we uh, like wrap things up, do you have any more Stephen King works that you want to throw down on the list? Uh and also would you like to oh, you know how gosh. many you have so far?
1: Oh yeah, how many how many do I have so far?
2: Five, four, five, six, seven.
1: <laughs> 10, Eleven. Eleven. Hmm. Oh man. Um let's let's throw down Rage. Um, let's throw down uh The Gunslinger. Uh let's throw down The Long Walk. Um, Let's throw down Green Mile. Mm.
4: Um, Mm.
1: uh, Let's throw down Mr. Mercedes. Mm. Let's throw down um... Oh man, what else should we throw down?
2: Yeah. I
1: think I think that's the thing that's what I got for now. That's cool. what I got.
2: Cool. Wait, real quick. Do you, like do you, are there any uh, adaptations of Stephen King's work that particularly stand out to you as ones that you really enjoy the transfer over? Oh
1: man. Oh, I, this is one more to add to the list, but Doctor Sleep, um mm. the the Mike Flanagan um, directed and I believe edited um the the Doctor Sleep movie that is a sequel to um the shining but mm. oh. stephen king famously hated Stanley Kubrick's shining um he felt like he missed the point of it which i agree with in some ways mm. but um the but he always uh he always hated it and he wrote doctor sleep in like 2013 as a direct sequel to the book uh, his book the shining but it completely disregards like anything so like if someone had only seen the movie of the shining they some things would not make sense to to them about Dr. Sleep. Yet Mike Flanagan, uh, his adaptation of the book also serves as a direct sequel to the movie. Like, it keeps all the main things that happened in the movie while also honoring all the narrative stuff that uh, Stephen King was kind of reinforcing in Dr. Sleep as like, hey, this was the point about The Shining. Um, Mike Flanagan somehow stay true to both like he even he recreates scenes from the shining but he doesn't Mm -hmm. de-age anyone he like cast people that just looked like the old actors which is so much better than fucking de-aging people um and he like matched the color palettes and he rebuilt all these sets and he he just did so much to make it a true sequel to the shining the film while also somehow staying completely true to the narrative of the book that i think it's like and stephen king loved it himself and uh, i think it's it's probably my favorite adaptation of a, of a Stephen King work. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones, but that one really is just fucking insane. Good pick.
2: Good pick. Yeah. It's pretty bold that he cast someone to play Jack Nicholson, and you're like, watch it, and you're like, that looks like Jack Nicholson. Like, it totally. actually kind of looks like Jack right. Nicholson.
1: Ab- I absolutely bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Very bold move. I was I was like, oh, um, Mike, you crazy bastard. Did well, you- Ash, <laughs> you
2: crazy bastard, you got 18 Stephen King works. That's Quite a Ooh! Nice, so, solid. Yeah, so great job. Uh, thank you for joining us, Ash, on this lovely day of sessions. We went all over the place, everywhere from comedy <laughs> to the ghostly beyond. Uh, <laughs> do you want to plug any any place that people can find you? Anything you have coming up, or anything you just want to make sure people really know that is important to you?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, you can find me on all the socials at Ash underscore. Um, you can go listen to Get Out the House, uh, my scary movie podcast. It's streaming on anything. We're going to be back with new episodes in early 2022 um and other than that i'm just yeah really grateful uh that covid didn't stop us from from still having this session i really love talking with y'all and mm-hmm. uh, uh yeah just happy happy to be here with y'all
2: yeah oh, also we'd be remiss if we didn't say that uh on the late night hump patreon you can watch ash diggs performing in jordan freed's knock which was produced uh actually like, like earlier during covid times and uh and ash is phenomenal and funny and it's about a group of stoners that hear knock at the door and in true stoner fashion they can't decide who's going to answer the door (laughs) and also (laughs) every other possible divergent topic that you can go on as a show.
3: Yes. Thanks. Thanks so much for being on the show, Ash. And get well.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, y'all.